You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are on part two of the church that Jesus is building. Part two of, of, um, this is the the final part. It was a two-part series. Uh, Next week, we are going to be starting a series on on maturity and what it it means to be mature in the body of Christ. I don't know if I even have an official title for it yet, but it's maturity. So there we go. Uh, But today we are talking about the church that Jesus is building. And so uh, our, our two points from last week were number one, that the church that Jesus is building must recognize that Jesus is building the church. It is Jesus who is building the church. We are not building a church. If we are building the church, guess what? It's going to look like what we want it to look like. It's going to feel like what we want it to feel like. And and that is not Jesus. And in Isaiah 55, the Bible says that, that the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. As high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how, how much further the Lord's ways are different than our ways. And so... Because his ways are higher and because he is God, we have to come to a recognition. And I want to even use the word revelation. Come to a revelation that God is building his church. It's his church. He is the architect and he is the master builder. We get to participate and build on the foundations and, and, and contribute as he, as he invites us into that process. But we are not the builders of the church. If you believe that, can you say amen? Amen. Number two, last week was the church that Jesus is building must be in love with the builder and not the building. Must be in love with the, building, the builder and not the building. And, and what I meant by building is, is, is yes, the physical building, because I can't tell you how sacred many Christians have made the building more than who he is. But I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about the entity. I'm talking about the the, the church herself. We cannot be more in love with ourselves than we are with the builder, Jesus. He he is our primary affection. He is our our, our primary form of adoration. And I'm telling you, we, we can fall into idolatry when we put anything in front of him. Anything in front of him. I mean, when you think about how sacred, even in, you know, kind of old order church, how sacred we made buildings where you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't touch this and you can't touch this and you can't let kids be free and all this kind of stuff. When we make all of those things sacred at the expense of the builder, the Lord wants his house to be full. He wants his house to be full. But if we want this house to be so nice and neat, guess what? You're probably not going to invite more people in. There's something I know about having more kids is the more kids you have, the messier it gets the more cleanup there is. And that's physical and that's spiritual and that's every other way. It gets messy. And so we have to know that we have to be more in love with the builder than we are with the building. Amen? Okay, so the three points we're going to go through today, I'm going to give them to you up front and then we'll walk through them. Number one, the church, uh, sorry, number three, because this is part two. The church that Jesus is building is called to gather. The church that Jesus is building is called to gather. Number four, the church that Jesus is building is called to grow. Can you say grow? Grow. And number five, the church that Jesus is building is called to go. Can you say go? Okay, here we go. So number three, gather. Acts chapter one, verse 15, it says this. During this time, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump right into it. We see often in Scripture the gathering of the saints. Acts 1.15, during this time when about 100 um, believers were together in one place. Acts 2.1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Acts 2.44, and all of the believers met together in one place. We see this pattern in Scripture that the church is called to gather. Can you say gather? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and I'm, I'm really glad about that, because you're here. You have chosen this morning to gather with the church. You have chosen this morning to, to get up and to prepare yourself. And, and in whatever condition you were, mentally, physically, or spiritually, you chose to come and gather with the church. And I'm telling you right now, that is not an ordinary thing. It's a supernatural thing. And I want you to think about the times when you didn't come to church. I want you to think about the times when, when you thought about church as a concept and you're like, no, never. And yet now, here you are. Here you are gathering with the church. And I want us to recognize that that is a supernatural thing. It's special. That, 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 is, that is an act of God that you have chosen to come and gather with God's people. But it's not normal in today's world. And I want to even go a little bit further. It's not normal even for some Christians, which is a sad thing to say. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and this is written 2,000 plus years ago, who I believe was the apostle Paul, but for uh, today's sake, we'll say the writer of Hebrews says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not do what? Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I mean, this was already 2,000 plus years ago that some people were already starting to neglect meeting together. But encourage one another. Do what? Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, this because this is such a supernatural activity, we have to recognize that God's hand is on this. And the church that Jesus is building is a church that gathers. I don't believe that you can not gather with the church that Jesus is building and still effectively function in the way that God has called you to function as a Christian on this planet in this age. I don't believe you can. I think it's unbiblical. I think, I, think, I think that in many ways, I understand why so many people kind of separate themselves from the body of Christ. And I understand some of the situations that have taken place that people have been hurt and have had to kind of remove themselves from local church situations. But I'm still telling you, in God's perfect plan, his church gathers. The word here that we see for meeting together is episunago, episunago. And this means this, it means a complete collection, a complete collection. And, and what I love about that is this, is this is not just a gathering because if it's a gathering, it feels more like a choice, right? I, get, I have a choice to gather. But when it's a collection, this means something that has been collected. And if it's been collected, whom has it been collected by? And I want to suggest with confidence that it's Jesus. That we are a collection 
of Jesus. He is the one who has brought us together. He is the one who is collecting us together. He is the one who is drawing us almost supernaturally like magnets together to gather. Are you with me? We're not gathering ourselves because just think about it. Look at this group of people. Honor, look around. Go ahead. Just look around. We would not purposefully choose to gather with a group of people like this on our own. You wouldn't. Before Jesus, you wouldn't be like, man, I want to hang out with a group of people that looks like this. Because just think about it. We, as human beings, we're tribal. We want to hang out with people who look like us, who think like us, who act like us, all those kind of things. That's why we, we, we stick to our, our, our family kind of units. And, and, and let me even say something a, a little more challenging, not, not necessarily for us, but for the church. This is why we see so many churches that look very monotone. And when I say monotone, I mean one skin color. It's because we want to hang with people that look like us and because it's culturally easier for us to hang around as all Hispanics than it is to add, you know, African-Americans and Asian-Americans and, and whoever else the Lord wants to add to us because now we got to watch ourselves and now we got to be careful. And man, now we can't say the jokes that we like to say and now all these kind of things. But listen, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We're not gathering ourselves. We are being gathered by the Lord. We're being gathered by the Lord, and this is the Lord's gathering, not ours. This is not Restoration LA's gathering. This is the Lord's gathering. This is a reflection of heaven. Just think about that. This is a reflection of heaven. When we get to heaven, I'm telling you, we're going to be freaked out by all the people who are worshiping Jesus alongside of us. I mean, you know how many tribes, tongues, and nations there are on this planet? You know how many people are coming to know Jesus today? Even in many nations that we believe that the gospel isn't going, the gospel is, 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 is progressing rapidly in nations that we, we are thinking are untouched by God. The Middle East, Asia, I mean, the, it is the gospel is spreading and people are coming to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, we are going to be crazy surprised when we're worshiping Jesus in heaven with those alongside of us. All the believers were gathered together in one place. That's heaven. That's heaven. All the believers were gathered together in one place. When, when, when this is the church that we're building, that could be optional. Right? If it's a church that we're building, yeah, it's, it's optional. Gathering together, you know, you can come, don't come. It's all good. You know, like whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. No, whatever your schedule allows, however you want to do it, it's all up to you. But this isn't the church that we're building. This is the church that Jesus is building. Most people who struggle with the gathering of the saints, I really believe struggle with the relational aspects of church life. It is messy when we throw a bunch of broken people together into a family and say, play nice. <laughs> I would just think about a, a toddler playground, right? You get all these crazy kids, you just throw them in a sandbox. You're like, be nice to each other. Something's bound to happen. Especially if Ray Ray's in that sandbox. <laughs> You're just waiting to hear it. Like, oh, 
All right. Most people um, who struggle within, within, with this gathering, with this church, struggle with the relational aspects. I mean, you, you hear statements like this, I love God, but I can't stand the church. And I'm telling you, friends, I, I understand why that's been said. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I, I've probably had every excuse to make that statement as well. You grow up in the church and you grow up as a pastor's kid as long as I did. And, and you see some really bad things happen in a church. You see things that happen behind the scenes. You see that happen, you know, when that nobody knows. I mean, there's just so many things that can happen within a collective body of a bunch of broken people. And yes, it's hard and yes, it's not easy. And yes, we can be hurt and even scarred at times. But I'm telling you, friends, we are called to family. And I want you to just think of your family group. When your family group experiences pain and heartache, what do we do? We sort those things out and we find a way through it. And why do we find a way through it? Because we're family. And it's the same with the church. We have to find our way through it. We have to know that Jesus is bigger than the situations. Jesus is bigger than the pain. Jesus is bigger than the heartbreak. Jesus is even bigger, friends, than the abuse. He's bigger. I sympathize with so many. Maybe some of you sympathize with those who say, hey, I'm hurt by the church, so I want nothing to do with the church. We have to remember that we are, are, are gathering with a group of imperfect people. You can look at someone next to you and say, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. <laughs> and listen, we're, we're all carrying brokenness. We're all carrying brokenness. We're, 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 we're all carrying our own preferences. We're all carrying our own opinions. We come from different backgrounds. We have very, I'm going to say, unique personalities. It's going to be messy. It's going to be messy, but may I remind you, listen, friends, this isn't our gathering. This isn't our church. This isn't even our family. It's the Lord's. It belongs to Jesus. Again, Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. When you're getting a call from someone of, hey, we missed you. Why weren't you in church? It isn't because we're taking attendance and we're counting numbers. It's because we care about you. And when Jesus is collecting his, his collection, it's a complete collection. And when someone's not there, who is normally there, we're not complete. His church gathers. And when pieces of his church aren't gathering, it's not complete. Let us not neglect meeting together as some do, but encourage one another. Listen, friends, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. He's coming back sooner than, than ever in any, any other um, time in history. He's coming back. And the closer we get to heaven, listen, we, um, the more we should be reflecting heaven. Say that again. The closer we get to heaven, the more we should be reflecting heaven. And these gatherings are a reflection of that. Us coming together as a church, not just on Sunday morning, 
Acts 2.42 is one of the staple verses here in the life of our church. They gathered daily. Daily. Now, I know we don't gather daily, but there, there was different. They, they gathered in homes and they shared meals and, and, and there, there was this, this common unity amongst them. And so when you gather with the church, I'm telling you, it is a reflection of heaven. I think we've, we've taken that revelation that we are the church a little bit too personal. And the truth is, is we are the church. It's not a building. We are the church. But we doesn't mean I alone. I am not the church. Me connected with Annette and Jordan and Diego and Eli and all of you together are this collective, beautiful thing called the church. But I am not the church on my own. I am not the church. We are the church. We are the church that Jesus is building. I really believe that those who have uh, issues with the church are going to have a miserable time in heaven <laughs> because you're going to be with the church for eternity, for eternity. In the, in the words of uh, Smalls, not Smalls, uh, the great Hambino, forever, forever, forever worshiping with this beautiful thing called the church. And listen, it's not just a local church. It's not just a local church. Restoration in LA, we are not just the church. It's going to be the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Mennonites and the Baptists and the Brethrens and the Methodists and the non-denominationals and all of the other things that we have labeled ourselves in church history. It's going to be the church. And yes, we have different leanings. And yes, we might not agree with the church down the road with the way they do things. And yes, all of those things. But I'm telling you, we are going to be surprised with who's in heaven. Some of them are going to be surprised that we're in heaven. <laughs> Jesus is picking up one church. One church. One church. A church scriptures calls his bride. His bride. How precious is that terminology? His bride. Revelations 18, 19, 21, 22 all give us this beautiful picture of Jesus' bride. I mean, how intimate is that language? Woe to those who reject, slander, and mistreat the bride of Jesus. I mean, you walk up to a man and tell him, I can't stand your wife and see what happens. Jesus' bride, the Lord's bride. 1 John 4, 19, for we love each other because he first loved us. Why do we love each other? Because he first loved us. This, this apostolic letter is being written to the church. We love each other, the church. We love each other because God first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. Oof. That's scripture. How do we handle that truth? I love God, but I can't stand this guy. That person's a liar. Whoa. That escalated real quickly. <laughs> For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And, and, and he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. We 
have to love the Lord's church, the church that he is building. Amen? All right, next one. Number two is grow. And I got to go fast now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, Brett used this verse a couple weeks ago. Um, this is not uh, NCMI's theme. This is the word of God. Uh, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is what? Is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. Can you say continue? It will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. We will do what? We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Who sets the standard? Christ. In Jesus' church, he sets the standard of maturity, not us. You see, because if we're setting the standard of maturity, I'm telling you, that standard is going to be pretty low. Because we're, we're going to be like, hey, you know, like we can't all measure up and we get it. And I recognize it. And sure, you know, I'm a sinner too. And I get it. And yes, there is grace. I mean, oceans of grace. But I'm telling you, there's still a standard that Jesus sets. And we are called to mature to the standard of Christ, not to the standard of Jody, not to the standard of an eldership team. We are called to mature to the standard of Christ. We are called to grow. And it happens within the church, the complete standard of Christ. And we will, can you say no longer? We will no longer be immature like children. There was an expectation for the church that Jesus is growing for the believers within his church to grow. If you are once children, then God has an expectation that you will mature into a healthy teenager, to a healthy adult, into a healthy senior, until kingdom come. There's an ongoing process of maturity. We are called to grow. You, won't be no long, you will no longer be mature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with their lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, can you say instead? Instead, we will speak the truth in love. And truth is a huge tool of maturity. If you cannot take the truth, I'm, I'm going to probably venture to say with humility if you cannot take the truth, then you probably are having a hard time growing in maturity. Because the standard of, of Christ's maturity is written in his word. His word is truth. And when we use his word as a mirror to who we are, that is the standard. We have to be able to take the truth if we're going to mature. If you're not a person who can handle biblical truth, you're going to struggle with maturity. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Listen to this, friends. Growing in every way. Can you say every way? Every way more like Christ. This is the standard. We will grow more like Christ. Is that still your passion? Is that your passion? Is that why you come to gather with the Lord's church? Because you want to be, grow more like Christ, not to a better version of yourself. 
Many times that's the standard. We just want to be a better version of ourselves. And I'm telling you, a better version of yourself is just a better version of a sinner. We want to be more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He's the head of the church. We're not trying to be like anyone else. We're not trying to be like the apostles. We're not trying to be like the Pope. We're not trying to be like Mother Teresa. We're trying to be like Christ. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing. And listen to this, friends, and full of love. So even in, in, in this understanding of growth, it's done with love. Love is a currency that, 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 that we operate in. There is a God expectation for his church to grow. The church that Jesus is building is called to grow. And you cannot grow if you are not rooted in Christ. If your roots are not tied into Christ, you cannot grow. But listen to this. It's also amongst the church that the believer is nurtured and matured. You cannot do that on your own. You can't nurture and mature yourself. As, listen to this, friends. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. We know the gifts. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You cannot do this work on your own. Because you need the gifts that God has given the church to help you grow. And listen, I'm all about personal devotion. And I'm all about you and Jesus. Personal devotion should be your primary resource for tapping into heaven and tapping into the, the relationship that God sent his son to die for that you would have with him. But friends, it's, you're still called to grow amongst a family that is called the church. I've heard people say, I get more out of my personal devotions than I do sermons at the church. And I, I think that's awesome. But if you're saying that's your only way of growing, then you're living an unbiblical lifestyle because Jesus has called you to be a part of this thing called the church. In the church that Jesus is building, there is a need for outside gifting to mature, listen friends, the immature believer. And so we have to be really sober about where we are in our maturity level with God. And I don't wanna um, blow next month's series, so here we go. Um, it is not a sin to be immature in the things of God. It's not a sin to be immature. We all grow. I mean, we all start at an infant stage. So it's not a sin to be immature in the things of God. But listen, but to remain immature is to deny the ways of God. If you're at the same maturity level today that you were last year and the year before that and the year before that, then, then I really believe you need to start being honest with yourself and your relationship with God and his church. Because God is calling you to maturity. Amen? Lastly, go. I'm going to land this real quick. The church that Jesus, is building, that, that Jesus is building has an apostolic heart. Has an apostolic heart. And an apostolic heart just means it has, has a heart to be sent. The apostles, that means the word means the sent ones. And, and so I know it can sound like, well, I'm no apostle, but no, you're, but you are called to go. That word, that word missions, apostolic, it's the same word, missions, missio, that means, uh, uh, that's uh, the Greek, 
Apostolic is, is the Hebrew, and, uh, no, vice versa. No, Latin, Greek. Apostolic is Greek, missio is Latin. It's the same word. We're called to go. We're called to, to get outside of the context in which we are comfortable, in which we operate in our daily lives. We're called to step outside of that and operate in the spheres of influence that God has called us to. And so I want you to think of your life as, as with spheres, okay? Now, normally I tell you don't do that because you live one life, one integrous life, and you should be the same person in every arena that you operate in. But just for the analogy, I want you to just think about this. You have this sphere of comfort, right? Your home and your family. And then you step outside of that. You know, maybe that's, you know, your friendship groups. You're called to operate as the church in that friendship group. God is calling you to go as, 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 as a sent one into that sphere. And then you step outside of that. And maybe it's, you know, your workplace. For some of you young people who are in school, it's in high school, it's in middle school, it's in, it's in university. You're called to operate. God is sending you into that sphere to operate as the church. And then you go outside of that. And we're getting really crazy now, right? And maybe God is calling you to a, a different region or to a different city. He's calling you to go and preach the gospel. Maybe you go to Skid Row, or, or, or maybe you, 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 you piggyback on a, on, a, on a missions trip that we're going on throughout the year. We go to Ensenada. Uh, we're going to Guadalajara in October. Uh, you, you, you begin to operate in a sphere outside of yourself because you know that you're sent by God. God's church is called to go, and it's not just a few. It's a mandate on the entire church. And so I hope you also know that, that when, when anyone in the life of this church goes, that you are a part of that. We're a part of that. That doesn't excuse you not going, but we are a part of that. We send, when, when, when we sent uh, Linton and Sarah to plant a church, it was us as a church sending him with resources and loves and gifting to go out there and do the things that God has called us to do. And when, uh, Val last week gave us a, a um, a testimony of what's happening down in Mexico. We sent him down there to be a blessing to that region and to go. But listen, there are also tangible ways that God is calling you to do it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or do, when you just think about it, you're like, no, like I, you know, I went on a mission ship like 20 years ago. Like, and I'm not dismissing that. I mean, I've had some highlight moments in my life, too. I'm like, man, that was awesome. It was, it was the most exciting time of my life ever. And, but I'm telling you, God is calling us to be on mission. We're the body of Christ. The church that Jesus is building isn't, uh, um, isn't a destination, and it's not a resort to where we're just like, oh, we're in the church now. Like, we're good. We have to kick back and by the pool and, you know, sip on the drink of our preference. The church that Jesus is building is a living, breathing organism that is on the move. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. A body in motion stays in motion. Have you heard that terminology? Maybe one of your gym coaches told you, body in motion stays in motion. I mean, keep moving, right? Keep doing stuff. Because if you stop doing stuff, then you're going to get real complacent and you're not going to be able to move. You're going to start getting aches and pains like I've been getting lately. It sucks. And then when God calls you to move, you're like, oh, God, I haven't moved in so long. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm, I'm happy here. This is good. God is calling us to be on the move. Matthew, Matthew 16, 15, go and preach the gospel. Go and do what? Preach the gospel. 
When's the last time you had the courage to share the good news with someone? And I'm not saying articulate it in all the best ways and fancy ways that a pastor can do it, you know, on a Sunday morning. I'm tell, tell the good news of Jesus Christ in your world. What has Jesus done for you? Have you told someone that good news? Told a friend, told a coworker, told a neighbor, told a stranger. Go and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of the nations, which goes further than just preaching the gospel. That doesn't mean we just spew out the gospel and say, okay, you accepted Jesus, all right. No, so we go, we, we, we lead people to the Lord, and then we come alongside of them, and we walk them through this thing called discipleship and what it means to, to follow Jesus, and we walk them through all the steps and baptism and, 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 and show them how to read their Bible. We, we come alongside. This is what discipleship is. And Jesus is asking us to do that. Go and make disciples. I think some, many of the, uh, the, the missions, things happening today, they just, they're good. But what happens when you just go to a, a, another nation and you paint a building and you, and you feed some people and then you leave? Are disciples being made? This is, what, this is why we believe in apostolic partnership. We don't just go and touch a few heads and, you know, hug a few kids. No, we want to be in partnership. We want to come alongside. Now we're in relationship. Now your problems are our problems. Now we want to come inside because we are family and we're connected to this thing called the body of Christ. The church that Jesus is building is on mission. And it's not a church mission. It's not a church mission. Listen, this is Jesus' mission. Again, if it was our mission, man, we get to make it as comfortable as we want. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna set it up at a resort. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be beautiful. Man, we went on a mission trip, and it was beautiful. I'm, I'm being funny, guys. I'm not saying people do. I mean, it's just, but when it's Jesus' mission, it's serious, and it's not optional. And it might look like camping and setting up tents and eating MREs. MREs are like those dehydrated meals, meals ready to eat. They plug you up for weeks. You don't want to eat them. But for Jesus' church going, it's not optional. The church that Jesus is building for his church, going is not optional. One of our core values as a church is this. God has commanded us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere. This is one of our core values. We send empowered, equipped disciples of Jesus into the world. Every member of our community is a missionary every day. I hear that in Nacho Libre's talk every day. <laughs> every day. Are we? Are you? It's not easy. But it has to be intentional for us because this is the church that Jesus is building. Acts 118, my final verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you have received the power of the Holy Spirit? And if you said yes to Jesus, I pray your age. How many of you have received the power of the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, then man, we want to pray with you today. We have received the power of the Holy Spirit 
when he comes upon you and Jesus says this, and you will be my witnesses. You will be. Not, it's not optional. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are compelled now by the Spirit. And that word compelled also means controlled. So you're controlled by the Spirit. And when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit and you go into a sphere that he wants you to do something, you are controlled by him. You have to do it. So many of us resist. So many of us resist. You will be my witnesses. And listen, you will tell people about me everywhere. Say everywhere. Everywhere. In Jerusalem. And this is what it looks like. Jerusalem is like... You know, that's that comfortable sphere, right? Where, where are you at? You're in Montebello, East L.A., Pico, Pasadena, in your Jerusalem. You're going to tell people about Jesus right where you're at. But then it says this, throughout Judea. So maybe that's like L.A. County. There's 22 million people in this megaplex. 20, we have more people in this big county of ours than some states and some nations where there's not, there's not a lack of sphere for us, Judea, right? And then it says, and to Samaria. And for the hearer of the word here in Acts, Samaria would have been a place, place you don't want to go. To the place of the people you believe don't deserve the gospel. That's Samaria. What's that place for you? Middle East, Russia, Samaria, and then listen, the outermost parts, the outermost parts, the ends of the earth. This is where we're called to. We're called to go. And I pray in this next season that you will be in partnership with us as we are being called to go in your spheres. And I really believe that God is going to, in that place, bring multiplication of his church. Some plant, some water, but it's God who brings the increase. You will be my witnesses. My question for you is, will you? Will you? Please stand with me. Lord, we, we want to be the church that you are, you are building. We don't want to just be a part of the church that you are building. We want to be the church that you are building. And Lord, I pray if there's any area that we are struggling with as, as a part of your bride, as a part of this church, as, as members of this body, whether it be gathering, if we're struggling with that, Lord, I just pray. I pray, Lord, that you will do a work in our hearts. You'll, you'll do a, a, a work in our innermost being, whatever it takes, God. If you could do a work so that gathering is no longer the wrestle, maybe that it's been for us. Or in the area of growth. Or we want, we want to be the church that you're building and we see the church that you are building is growing in maturity and we want to be that, Lord. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to you the areas of our lives that maybe we haven't surrendered in the past and, and the areas of our life that maybe we haven't grown. We pray, Father, that you will do a work. And if that's you this morning, church, just be, I would encourage you to pray to the Lord. I, I, would, I, would, I would encourage you to inquire of the Lord. Lord, what are the areas in my life that you want to mature me? What are the areas in my life that I haven't allowed you to mature me? 
and see the work that God will do. Lord, you are growing your church. Lord, I pray that we will remove every earthly standard, every religious standard, and we will allow you to once again be the standard of our growth. And lastly, Lord, the going. The going, God, I pray for an activation in the life of this local church, Lord, like never before. They'll be willing to go in the spheres of influence you called them to, Lord, to, and, and their Jerusalem and their Judea, their Samarias, Lord, the outermost parts, Lord, they'll be willing, Lord, the spheres that maybe they've been so comfortable in and they haven't even recognized, like, wow, this is a sphere that I have, I have not touched yet when it comes to going for Jesus. Lord, where there was one sphere, I pray it's replaced by faith. Lord, when there's inhibition, Lord, I pray, for, Lord, for an activation. We know it's you who build your church, but you have called us to preach the gospel and to make disciples. You have called some to water, some to plant. And Lord, I pray that we be faithful with spreading seeds and, and watering seeds and planting, whatever it is, God. But we know ultimately the growth is up to you. But we are confident that you are building your church. The pressure of that is not on us. We are called to obey you because we love you. Let that be the testimony of Restoration LA, a church who obeys in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Hey, we're so glad that you were here today. Uh, men, don't forget, Tuesday, we're meeting at 7 p.m. Uh, I did send out a mass text. If you didn't receive that text, uh, please let me know if you're coming. We just want to know how much food to prepare for all the guys. Um, so we would really love to see you guys come out on that day. Uh, please don't forget those uh, who we prayed for and received as church family. I'd love for you, you know, if they're comfortable with letting you guys all give them big hugs, go ahead and do that. So uh, have a great week. We will see you soon. Blessings to you all. Bye-bye.